Good morning. How are y'all doing this morning? Happy Mother's Day to you. Have you wished each other Happy Mother's Day yet? Have you done that? I don't know. Did you do that, Matthew? Did not. So turn to someone around you and say good morning to them if you don't mind for a moment. Shake their hand if you don't know them. Maybe get to know them and say Happy Mother's Day to them. Okay? And uh, if you haven't done that with your significant other at this moment, your mother or whoever that you might be with, this is a great moment to do that. If you have not purchased a card, it's probably too late for that. Beg forgiveness and mercy this morning, but we are glad that you are here. I'm excited about speaking to women this morning about something that I absolutely know nothing about, but yet uh, we we know that the scripture gives us a lot of guidance in that area, and so I want to share that with you for a few moments today. So grab your Bibles. We'll start in the book of, actually in the book of Matthew chapter 6 in a moment, and then we'll find ourselves in Mark and 2 Timothy. So it's going to, you can just kind of follow along as we work our way through this teaching today. But I want to talk about, I, I simply entitled this because I couldn't really come up with anything better to call it other than women are, and, and, and so we will kind of flesh that out together in a moment. But for a moment, as I begin to think about Mother's Day and how that looks for all of us in this room, or many of us in this room, I want a moment to maybe redefine that for all of us, or to refocus that, or reframe that today. Because as I begin to think through this, this day, that what I realize is that Mother's Day is not primarily about being a mother or receiving honor. It's not. But it's rather about thanking God for the mother that you have been given and honoring her. It's an opportunity even beyond that. But I think this day is a great opportunity to honor womanhood is what it's about. It's, it's a great opportunity to do that in light of what Scripture teaches us about womanhood. And, and I think the right heart for this day as we approach it together through the Scriptures and the right heart for our moments together is that it... That it's not this just this big expectation for us to receive honor or you to receive honor as a mother, but rather it's an opportunity. And we've been talking about that a lot last week as we were still in our series in the book of Acts. We talked about opportunities, and so it's an opportunity to give honor in light of Scripture. It's Romans chapter 12 and verse 10. It's not in your notes. It's not on the screen. You have to kind of look at it on your Bible for a moment or in your device. It's Romans 12 and verse 10. It's a powerful verse about giving honor. And it simply says this. You can read it later if you can't find it right now. It says, love one another with brotherly affection. And then the writer goes on to say, Out, outdo one another in showing honor. So in light of that text, I would like us to kind of reframe this day for a moment together. Because in this room, we have something in common. Every one of us has something in common in this room. Even though we are different on so many levels, we are. We are different in our skin color. We are different in that of our size, our background, our ethnicity, and all those kinds of things. And so you're wondering, what do we have in common? And so he said, well, we all have hair. Well, that's not true about some of us. There are some people in the room. Isn't that right? So it's not that. So what do we all have in common? And the reality is the commonality of this room is we all have a mom. We all have a mom. That is the commonality of this room. And for I believe for you to experience greater joy in this day, that Mother's Day 2019, that we frame it in light of what we just read in the book of Romans. And that is, it's an opportunity for you to give honor. That gifts are not what makes this day. It's not, it's not for like, well, this is one for the books because the amazing gifts that I've been given, that's not what this day is about at all. But it's about giving honor. But I also realize... That this day is a painful day for many people. It, it, it really is. If you research that, then what you're going to find that of all the calendar days other than that of Advent or Christmas, this is perhaps one of the most painful days that we find on the calendar. And, and so in light of that, how do you see this day? And I ask you that this morning for a, a reason. How do you see this day? 
because some of you struggle with finding good memories uh, as it relates to that of motherhood or your mother or relationships. You struggle with that. You're struggling to focus on finding good things about those relationships. And for some of you, that it's a reminder of the past. Maybe you've lost your mom like I have to death, and, and so my mom is in heaven with the Lord. I know that without any doubt in my heart or with my mind, but yet there's something left in my heart that's missing. There's a void in my life, so I miss that. And so it reminds me, this day reminds me of who's not with me. But maybe it's a broken relationship. And so you're celebrating this day in the light of that brokenness in a relationship, those bad feelings that you're trying to work through throughout this day. And, and I, you know, this is kind of a, maybe a different way to start out a Mother's Day teaching or a teaching on womanhood, but I just want to keep it real because that's real. That is exactly what we're, many of us in this room are dealing with today. So how do you see this day? In Jesus' preaching in the book of Matthew, He's preaching on the sermon at the what we call the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6 and 22. And he says these words in this sandwich in the middle of talking about giving and generosity and how we look at material goods in life. He sandwiches in the middle of all that these two verses in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 22. And here's what he says. I think they're very powerful. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. And he says in verse 23... But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Beside the darkness, it's okay to write in your Bible, write the word misery. Because that word darkness is the same word as the word misery. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? It's the way that we see things. Contextually, yes, he's talking about generosity and the way that we hold on to material things in life, absolutely. But this overarching teaching and thought here is that of the lens in which we see life and the lens in which we see people through. It's the way we view things and the way we view people because the way we see things and the way we view people truly reflects, reflects what's in our heart. And whether we see good in others or whether we don't see not so good in others, it reflects the pain of our own hearts this morning. What's in your heart becomes the lens in which you see others through. Yes, you say, Mark, wonderful. Here on Mother's Day, I'm here and I'm all, you know, excited about celebrating and you have just backed up the dump truck of guilt and you have taken this, dumped this giant load of guilt on us. No, it's not that at all. Understand this, that... That the, the pain in your heart many times becomes the lens in which you see things, celebrations, people, moments through. Thus why many people struggle with this very day today because of the pains in their heart. So what Jesus says is this, if your eye is healthy, then your whole body will be full of light. And, and when, what, it, what it means is this, that when we are searching to see the good in people's lives, well, that's because our heart has been healed. But he also says, if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness or misery. And if all we are looking to see or all the lens that we are seeing life through is that, is that just how everybody gets under our skin and irritates us and is constantly bothering us, then that's a reflection of the pain and the hurt of our own hearts. I've been there. I've always been real with you, you know? I've always been very open with you about those things in my life. And I, and I know it's not Father's Day, but yet for me, for me, Father's Day is the toughest time for me. Because those are some of the feelings that I deal with. Exactly. 
the lens of my heart, which is pain concerning those things about the fathers of my life are many times the lens that I see that day with. And it's a real struggle for me. You say, Mark, wait a minute, you're a pastor. You're not supposed to have those kinds of things. Can I tell you, get real. Don't judge me, okay? Nor look at me like somehow behind uh, you are angels' wings and somehow there's a halo on top of your head because I know that's not true. I know a lot of you, okay? Understand that. And I know that's not true. But I think it's good to really approach these kinds of days in the reality of how we feel and what we struggle with and where our own hearts are. And so here's what he's saying. And, and I, as I begin to look at this verse and say, what does this mean to me? That the healthy eye, the bad eye, man, it, it's like double vision or blurred vision. And what he's saying is this. This is about a single vision or focus. It's about the intent of my heart. And that is that that's looking for the good things in others. It's that. So on this Mother's Day 2019, what I pray for you today is that God will bring healing to your heart. That's what I'm praying, that God will bring absolute healing to your heart. Because in my experience, God rarely erases memories and God rarely replaces people that have been taken by death from our lives. But I know that God does heal hearts. I know that. Even in the shadow of bad memories, even in the shadow of things that upset us, I do know that God heals our hearts and heals our minds. But you're saying, but you're sitting there and maybe you're thinking, man, I'm struggling to find some good this morning in all of this. I'm really struggling. Well, maybe it's the one thing that you and I have in common today. And it's this, that I've been present for three childbirths, okay? I have been there, all right? I have been there. I have suffered through the pain and the agony of those things, watching my wife, right? Exactly right. I, ha- I have been there, absolutely. And if that's not sacrifice, and if that is simply not suffering, then I don't know what is. Listen, we all arrived on this planet the same way. True? Now, maybe there's some details in there that I won't cover right now, okay? But we all arrived here the same way. So if anything, I think this morning, if you're struggling with your mother, if you're struggling with those people in your life, then at least you can thank them for that. Really, because as a man, I would have never done that for you. Do you realize that? Never. Absolutely not. Yes. If men had children... All it would take one to give birth and he would tell all the others and there would be no more children in the world. Understand that. It's exactly right. Yes, because we are not cut out and wired for that in that way. That is true. So what Jesus is teaching us on the Sermon on the Mount and he's teaching us about the eye of our very lives and how we see things is this, that what is the intent of our heart? And sometimes just we struggle with that. Absolutely. If it comes down to just saying, thank you for giving birth to me, you know, they should make a gift. They should make a card like that, right? I don't know if Hallmark does, but they should make a card like that. And maybe they should, I don't know what would be on the front of it, but simply you open up and say, thank you for giving birth to me. Happy Mother's Day. And just leave it at that, you know? Wouldn't that be interesting? Yes, because even sometimes picking out a card for some of you is very difficult on this day because they all say things that you really don't mean within your heart. <laughs> you laugh nervously, don't you? Yes, you do. Because you're sitting here with your mom and it's scaring you to death, everything I'm saying, because they're going to get you in the car on the way home and they're going to look at you. Do you feel that way? Yeah. And then you're going to have to tell the truth. You're going to have to tell a big, fat, old lie, aren't you? Yes, that's right. Yes. 
So here, I, so in front of you today is a man teaching on women. What can go wrong with that? You know, what can go wrong with that, right? Yes, absolutely. So if I've not said something stupid already, rest assured by the time that you leave this morning, I will say a couple of things stupid. So understand that. But as for women, I, I, there's two things I want to share with you. And, I, and I've gleaned these things from the two most powerful and influential women in my life, first being that of my amazing wife, Reba, and that of my mom. So these are the two things that I want to share with you today that, that I, I understand a few other things, but these are two things that I understand about women. First is this, women are highly influential, highly influential. And if I'm going to talk about influence with you for a moment, then I have to talk about both a negative influence and a positive influence. So if you have your Bibles, this Mark chapter 6 and verse 21, I'll read this verse, sir, this little narrative to you. We'll talk for a moment about negative influence. It says this, but an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. And when Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, ask me whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. Verse 23, and he vowed to her, whatever you ask me, I will give to you up to half of my kingdom. That's like winning the lottery is exactly what that's like. Verse 24, and she went out and said to her mother, for what should I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. And she came in immediately with haste to the king and asked him saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Women have enormous influence with her words, this woman, this mom, directing her daughter. But you have to look at what's at stake here. Half of the kingdom. Understand what Herod is offering his daughter. He is actually offering his daughter the portion of the kingdom that belongs to her mother. Think about this. There's a lot at stake here. It's no wonder she says, ah, go for the prophet's head. You know, go for his head. Cut off the old preacher's head. You wonder what's going on in that of the queen's mind. You really wonder. Because is this, is, a, is this about what's best for the daughter? Or is this about protecting herself and her own interests? Is that what it's about? And I think in order to talk about influence with you as a woman, we have to rightfully approach it. Because as women... As moms living in a broken world, you struggle with your propensity to sin in that struggle with your regenerated heart. And so this is not about perfection. And so if we get up here this morning and we talk about women, and, and, and you say, Mark, you're the only one talking about women because I'm, I'm not talking about, well, if I'm going to come up here and talk about women, then, then I have to, we have to have, I think, a clear understanding of what we're talking about in influence this morning. It's this. Because this is not about perfection, but for you as a woman, it's about a clear understanding of your weakness and your greater dependency upon God because you have such a powerful influence upon those around you. It's about you leaning into God with that power of influence in your life because you have this amazing ability to mold other people's lives around you as a woman. Let me, let me share with you a practical way in how this plays out in maybe my life. I've shared this with you before, but I've never kind of told you why I do this. But most mornings in our house, I make the bed. 
And that's kind of what I do. I love doing that because I know it pleases Reba. She likes that. But for me, and the way I think about a room is a room is incomplete until the bed is made. And somebody's saying, Mark, you're sick. Because the reality is that in the afternoon, you're going to get back in the bed. So why do you make it up in the morning? And I do understand that school of thought. I do that. But it's just me. And I, and I like doing that. But here's why. Because when I grew up in my house with my mom, my mom would say to me every morning, before you leave for school, make up your bed. And then she would stick her head back in the door of my bedroom and she said, I am not your slave, is what she would say to me. Yes, that's exactly right. Yes, I can remember, I can hear her voice saying that, I am not your slave. And then as I got a little older, she would always say, pick up your clothes because one day you're going to be married, you're going to have a wife, and it's not her place to pick up your underwear off the floor. She's not your slave. So it transitioned from I'm not your slave to she's not going to be your slave. And to this day, you know, I think about things that my mom has taught me. I mean, simple things like to this day, I don't run with sharp objects. I don't do that. I don't stand close to the television. No, I don't stand out in the middle of a lightning storm. I don't swallow watermelon seeds. I don't do that, right? Yes, I don't play with my belly button. You say, Mark, why? Because my mom said, if you play with your belly button, it will unscrew your butt and your butt will fall off. It's here because I don't play with the belly button. Understand that. It's what she said. I don't know if it's true or not, but I am not going to experiment with that. Understand that. It's not. Yes. Yes. I love, I love, that's all you're going to remember. I know that. But I, uh, I love and treat my wife with great respect today as much, and that's inconsistent, and that's messy, and I mess up in those times. And I do, I, I do that. And I, I, I learned those things long before I ever read them in the Bible because Joyce said it was so. She wielded my mom such great influence in my life. And now my wife does the same. It's true. Some of you are here this morning against your will. Yeah, you are. You have been kidnapped and you have been brought here. Why? Because a woman asked you to come. You say, Mark, ask is not the word. Have you ever seen the look that mom gives you? That's right. It's either you come or you will suffer the wrath of God if you do not get here on Sunday morning on Mother's Day with me. Yes, I know that. I can remember being in church as a young person, especially a teenager, you know. And we like to talk and we like to pass notes and things like that. And that's kind of what we did in church. And I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, but that's exactly what we did. And I can remember that no one ever had to say anything to me. I didn't have to make eye contact with my mother, but I could feel her looking at me across the building. I could feel that. I could feel that and I could sense the wrath, the doom of wrath that was about to come upon my life when I left that building. Yes. Women have profound influence. Those words that you use, if I relate it back to the text that we just read about Herod and his wife and his daughter, can be used for guilt and manipulation. And that's the real of our lives. And I know that we're progressing from the real to the ideal that Christ has uh, grows us into. And it's a tension to be managed, but you have great influence. Here's positive influence. It's 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 2. Yeah, you can't, you can't like have a Mother's Day without going to 2 Timothy 1 and verse 2 through 5. It says to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father 
in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day as I remember your tears. I long to see you that I may... I, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith or your genuine faith uh, that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois. I always love this text because that was my grandmother's name, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now I am sure dwells as well within you. What's happening here is Timothy's going to do some great things from God, but Paul is writing to him saying that you have this profound grace because it's a genuine generational faith that you've been taught this by your mother and taught this by your grandmother. By example, it's genuine faith. It is simply faith without some hypocrisy. And what I've learned over the years is mom always shoots straight, man. There's not a lot of pretense with mom, you know, or, or women that they simply just shoot straight from the hip. And, and what you see is kind of what you get is what this simply means. And so, women, I want you to understand and recognize how powerful your words are this morning and how great of an influence that you have over others. You are. But men and women are different. We, we are different from each other. And I thought, how is the best way to kind of, you know, flesh that out for you this morning for you to understand how different we are because we see things different. And I think we have different roles in the, in, in the home and, and in the church and in those kinds of settings. So, so here's the thing that I brought some objects to kind of help us to understand that. And if I move this, you see them first, but that's just kind of the way it's going to have to go down, I think, this morning. And so um, here's women, okay? Here's women. That is women. That's from our house. I don't know what we use that for, but that's, okay, that's, that's women. <clears throat> Here's men, okay? Now, the, now, before you just go all crazy over this, and, and uh, all the men, men are like, yeah, that's awesome, you know, that's like us. And all the women are saying, oh, you sexist, you're thinking we're just like delicate and dainty and we're just glass. No, no, before you get out your torches and pitchforks, hang on for a minute, okay? Just, just give me a moment to explain this to you. Here's the deal. Women are sensitive. Now you really want to throw something at me, but wait a minute, okay? Don't just, just give me a moment to kind of redeem this in a second. Women are sensitive. Men are dog bowls, okay? Now, most, <laughs> and here's why I say that. Because most guys are going, huh, right now, you know? And, and you've had these moments with your wife when you go, huh? And your wife says, well, I'm sensing the Lord is saying something to me. You ever been there? Yeah. And you're looking at her like, well, I haven't heard anything from God. Why? That's because you're a dog bowl and she's that other thing over there, right? That's exactly right. Yes, because we are different. I, I wrote some things that I can remember about my mom and I see those things in, in Reba uh, today that mom knows when kids are tired, when they don't even know they're tired. You, have you ever said that? Mom comes to you and says, hey, I think you're tired. You need a nap. And you think, dude, I don't need that. Well, man... Oh, all of a sudden you're tired. Mom knows that. Isn't that amazing? Mom comes and says, hey, you're hungry, aren't you? And, and it's been like a less than an hour since you've eaten last, but all of a sudden you're hungry because she says that because they know that. Yeah, she does, yes. How, do they, how, do, how does that happen in the life of a woman? How does that happen? It's because this, because women are, are this thing, this glass. I don't know what this is called. I was going to call it like a, a champagne glass, but I don't know. Can you say that in church? I guess you can, yes. So I don't know what that is, but this is us. And we're different. We're wired, we're wired extremely different from one another. We are. Something is wrong with my baby. You know, she says, 
And then and the, and the man looks says, hey, I mean, come on, he's 18 years old at college. How do you know that? You know, how do you know that something? Well, I just know that something is wrong. I know that, you know. It amazes me. It's a God-given ability to women. It is. Today, sitting down here in front of me is, is an amazing and a strong woman. A woman who has, who has, for the past eight months, who has prayed every morning, almost every morning at four. And I know I'm embarrassing her, and I'll pay for this later on. I didn't ask permission to do this, so there you go. You know? and, and so she, every morning, almost for the past eight months, she's prayed at 4.45 a.m. every morning. Every morning she has for her 18-year-old who is off at college, and he gets up every morning at that time, four mornings a week, and he, he runs PT and he works out you know, because they make him do that. Okay, Now, it's not like he's wanting to do that, all right? But you got somebody screaming and yelling to make you do that, and he's doing that, and she does that because she's sensitive and she understands the needs of his life, and she prays for strength for his life. You know what Mark's doing at 4.45 in the morning? You know what he's doing? He's being a dog bowl. He's asleep, okay? That's exactly what he's doing. Yeah. Remember the little boy who fed the 5,000 with his lunch? Who do you think packed that kid's lunch? Dad? Get real. Come on, you know? Yeah. And, And I thought about this. God performed a miracle with what a woman had prepared, and God is still doing the absolute same thing. So, for all the women in the room, I honor you today for your influence. Maybe you don't realize how much you have, but you have great influence over not just children, but yet adults of men, of husbands, and of others, you have great influence. The second thing I notice is this about women, is women are noticeable ministry models. And I go to the book of Titus, chapter 2, and verse 2. Let me read these texts to you. Titus 2, verse 2, it says this, Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. If you're looking for gospel or godly masculinity, there it is. And then it says, and older women... Now, if, if I had been Paul, I would have not used the word older women. I would have used the word more seasoned women is what I would use. But Paul has never been married. So there it is. You can see why it says that. And it says, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine, that they are to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and their children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home. That does not mean that you can't work outside the home. Keep reading. Kind, submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Both self It's the only one of these attributes that overlap between the men and the women. I think it's interesting because what God, God is saying through Paul is this. Men and women both need to simmer down, to take it down a notch, and stop all the yelling. Is exactly what he's saying, right? In my interpretation. And he says this. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and show speech that cannot be condemned. So that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Two things I want to point out here in this text is this. 
what are a couple of things. What if older men start training younger men? It's such a powerful thought about discipleship. We've been talking about discipleship through community throughout the book of Acts. We go back to it again this morning that simply what if older men trains younger men to not lose their cool, to maintain their civility, to practice self-control in their life? How much damage do we do in other people's lives when we don't practice self-control? To govern our own rage, to walk in integrity, to speak, to have sound speech, to be encouragers. But we're here to talk about women. So he goes on to say this, older women training younger women. To love their husbands is what he talks about. To, to simply love their children. And sometimes that's a task to love those little sinners, isn't it? It really is because they're always plotting to take over the home. So yes, it sometimes is a task. To be pure, to be self-controlled, to both genders he speaks about that. To work at home. What that means is this. That means to be a part of the discipleship of, of your home life. It doesn't mean that you can't have a job outside the home. To help set the spiritual climate for the home, for your workplace, and for your church. But then he says in verse 5, to be self-controlled, pure, working, and at home. Working at home. And then he uses the word Kind. It's interesting, I thought. I circle that because he doesn't say for men to be kind, but he says for you women to be kind. That's interesting, isn't it? Yes. Why does Paul mention that? Why does he mention kind for women and not for men? Because it's the amount of power that God has given women over the heart of men. And it's absolutely staggering the amount of power that you have over men. It is. Because what I thought about is this. You can be critical of me. You can say, hey, Mark, you got that shirt on this morning that has sunglasses all over it. And I really like it, but you may not like it. So you can say, I don't like your shirt. I don't like your preaching. I don't like your beard. I don't like these things about you. And when you're finished ranting and raving about me, then what I'm going to do is this. I'm probably going to have a cup of coffee. I'm going to think about some things that you said to me. And then I'm going to go I'm going to go into the next thing in my life. I am. But if my wife says things to me, they're powerful. When my wife says things to me, the armor of my life disappears. That, that my thick skin becomes paper thin. That my wife's words can keep me up all night. They can. They're powerful. It's a God-given power that he has placed in your life. It is. That you have over the heart of a man. God has given you as God has given you as a woman such power in ministry, not just in your home, but here at your workplace, at a moment of discipleship at a coffee shop or somewhere else over lunch. God has given you powerful influence in the words that you speak as a woman. And I think you need to really understand that in ministry and how that applies to in ministry. Because truly, you have place in ministry. You are a ministry model. Can I show you this for a moment as we kind of tie all this together? In the book of Proverbs, chapter 1 and verse 8, here's what it says. It says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Forsake not your mother's teaching. Right by the word teaching, the word law. Notice there's a distinction between that of instruction and teaching. So what that means is this, and we see this played out in our own lives, in our own homes. Dads are focused on instruction. They're warning. They're about the warning. They're about discipline. It's where we get the thought, wait till your father gets home. That's exactly where this comes from. Yes, 
Wait till your dad gets home. You're going to really get it. But mom, what is mom doing? Mom's laying down the law. Mom's got principles and statutes about the home. And with a broad brush, we paint this this morning. But we have dad who enforces what mom feels is important about the home. That is simply the structure of most homes. It's biblical. Because moms are a model for ministry, not in just the church, but at home and both together. I love this because men and women, we don't track the same way. We don't. And so what I deem to be important in the home sometimes oh, are, are not important. Reba does. And when she simply says, I think this is important, then dads enforce those things. Watch how this works out. It's Proverbs 6 and verse 20. It says this, my son, keep your father's commandment, a different word for the man, but yet forsake not your mother's teaching. Same word for the mom, that the teaching becomes the command. It does. That mom's laws are always consistent. Dads are always the one, most of the time, they're the ones that would say, you know what? Maybe, you know, I, I, I put him on three weeks restriction and I'm really tired of driving him everywhere. And, and, you know, and mom says, but we really need to stick to this, you know. But dad says, man, I'm really tired of being the taxi. So that's exactly what we see this. Mom's like, hey, I'll never, I'll not have this stuff going on in my house. And dad looks around at the child and says, you know what? That's exactly what I've been thinking all along. Yeah. It's Proverbs 29 and 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. And I've read that verse for years, always wondering why it says shame to the mother and not the father, because the mom truly takes things to heart. And I'm not saying that dads don't, but I think moms do in a very different way. Whether you're blessed with that little angel through adoption or whether you're blessed with them through a, a Natural birth. Moms, uh, moms are like, you know, oh Lord, I must have done something wrong. I must have disciplined them too much. I've, I've heard this at times. I, maybe, I, I dis- maybe I did things, I, I should have done things different in raising them. And dad's like, oh, come on, babe. You know, he's 35 years old. He's married and has two kids, you know. He has to at some point answer for himself. But moms are still like that. Why? Because mom takes things to heart. And to my wife, Reba, to Reba, my wife, because she's Reba before she's my wife. When I see how you take things to heart, I know that's how God created you. I know that's how God wired you. If my mom was here, I would say the very same thing to her. Because I know that my mom truly never stopped carrying me. Never. Because that's the way that God wired her. Men are dog bowls. We're practical and useful and multifunctional. And women are all that and much, much more. And so today I honor you. Can I bring that home to us this morning as we tie all this together to the church? As your pastor speaking to you this morning, that I want to say to you that women are vital and imperative to the life of a healthy church. You're vital and imperative to the life of a healthy church. You are models of ministry. As we are wrapping up our series in the book of Acts, the women that we have seen through the book of Acts are so powerful in that of the establishing of the New Testament church. 
And it's through their lives that we have church today. It's what we experience today. I went through, and as our teachings have been over the last 10 weeks together, 11 weeks, we've talked about Mary, the mother of Jesus. We've talked about Tabitha, who later we know she uses the name Dorcas. If I was her, I'd use the word Tabitha, you know, kind of deal, the names. And so we have Mary, the mother of John Mark, and we have Rhoda, the servant girl, who was demon-possessed. And, and, and we know that she was set free, and she becomes part of the church at Philippi, which opens the door to all of Europe. And we have Lydia, the woman who sells purple, and, and we know that she comes to Christ along with her entire family. We have last week, we talked about Priscilla, of Priscilla and Aquila, who take Apollos to the side and said, hey, you may have all the right information, but you lack the spirit within your life. So let me share with you what it means to have all the information along with the spirit in your life. And what we find in the book of Acts is we find women who prophesy and pray, and they teach and they plant churches, and they're powerful because they're truly modern. Models of ministry. And there may be some guys in here who are saying, well, you know, I really think that women, true, you're right, are needed and necessary. I want to say it goes beyond that. They are indispensable and essential to the life of the church. But Mark, I'm single, so what do, you know, what do I do? What do I do with all of this? You know, do I wait until I get a husband before God can use me? And I cannot tell you, no, absolutely not. The call of the New Testament is to make disciples, for you to have a vital role in having gospel conversations with, with others. And you are dispensable, so stop waiting around for some doofus to ask you out so you can get married. Stop, really. I don't know if that's all the single people clapping or not, or all those that know somebody's single that they're thinking, well, there's, you know, I'm just going to hang out until God sends me a man, then God can use me. Can I tell you, that is absolutely the furthest thing from the truth in your life. God is going to use you now. He's using you now. So our hope, or our desire at hope for women who are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God is not that, and take this the right way, is not that you become the little woman who is always quiet, sitting in the corner, waiting for a pat on the head or somebody to say, bless your heart, and you're waiting to get home so you can ask your husband a question about what went on in church. No, no. But our desire for you as a woman is that you grow in the knowledge of God. That you're strengthened in your heart and your mind and your spirit and you love your neighbor as yourself. That you are discipled and you are making disciples in the community with each other. And if you are a single man in this room, find a woman like we just described. Find that woman. Don't be intimidated by her. In fact, it might just help your dumb self to find a woman like that. Understand that. It might. Because that's exactly what I did and it worked out wonderful for me. Because I praise God today for the strong woman of God that is in my life. That she is not afraid at moments in her life to speak boldly into me, to challenge me in those moments of my life, to encourage me because she is a strong woman of God. And I am so thankful for that in my own life. And what I say to all of you in in closing this morning, I say to all the women in the room, is this, that in these areas that we have kind of brushed over for a moment together, that you're going to succeed in some of these areas, and then you're going to celebrate in those moments of success. But I also have to tell you this, 
as I would tell all the deads or all the men on Father's Day that you're going to fail in some of these areas. And when you do fail in some of these areas, there is grace and there is great mercy for your life because this has never been just about you doing this on your own faithfulness, but this has always been about God's faithfulness in your life. This has always been about you recognizing your need for the Lord and you leaning into God as a strong woman who loves God. And in those moments when you don't make it, in those moments when you really mess up, you realize there is grace and mercy for those times in your life. Because you have not arrived. Neither have I. None of us have arrived. Not one of us in this room. And we're learning to lean not unto our own understanding, but to His. And that's the journey. And what I realize about the journey, whether you are a man or a woman, that this journey is absolutely a dirt path. And it's not about perfection. I think that what most people or most women deal with in, in, in my unqualified opinion is I think that most of you deal with this thing of not, not meeting up to expectations. That it seems like our culture would demand some kind of perfection from you. Can I tell you something? You're not perfect, so just breathe this morning. Just breathe. And you don't have to be perfect. Because Christ, the Lord of your life, is perfect. So just breathe for a moment. Just breathe. This is not the time to sing this song, I am woman, hear me roar. That's not what this is about, okay? That's not it. Or when we have Father's Day, we do some, something mancho like that. That's not what this is about. This is just simply what the scriptures say about you as a woman. That you are powerfully influential in all of our lives. That you are a model of ministry from the very beginning. God has chosen you to be that. I read a quote this week and I I just had to include it at the end. Because I always like to do this on Mother's Day and Father's Day. And it says this from Oliver Wendell Holmes. It says that greatness is not in where we stand, but in what direction we are moving. That we must sail sometimes with the wind... And sometimes against it. But sail we must and not drift. Nor lie at anchor. For your life today as a woman. Wherever you are on your journey. It's about progress not perfection in your life. So today as you go through the moments of celebration. Or maybe you just go home and do nothing. For the moment that you go to pick up the phone. Well, I guess you don't pick up the phone. You take it out of your pocket now, right? Yeah. And I text somebody this week and I said, you know, I said, you didn't get my text. And they said, no, it was a house phone. And I said, you know, I I just I just don't think about that sometimes that it was not a cell phone, you know, kind of the way we think. And but you pick up your cell phone and you. You start to dial and you begin to go through your mind. What will I say? 
because there's a lot of hurt in my life. And so I'm using that lens right now. And what I pray for you today is that God heals your heart and God heals your mind. Because what I've learned about life is this, and I've learned a lot of things in 60 years, but I don't always practice them, but I've, you know, I know them. And one thing I've learned is this, that I think when you honor someone else, it lessens the burden of your own life. When you honor someone else, it lessens the burden of your own life. So I pray that you find that moment today to honor that woman in your life. Women, you are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. Powerful, influential, irreplaceable parts of ministry. And so I pray for you today. Amen. Could we all stand together? I know that anonymity is a big thing now. I, I understand that. But can I step away from that for a moment? And I, I just really feel led, we have a few minutes, to just pray over all the women in the room. You don't have to be a mom, just all women in the room. So I'm going to ask you to do something. If you're comfortable, if you're not, then there's no judgment in this. Trust me. If you know anything about this church, there's no judgment in, in how you respond to these things. But could you, just for a moment, if you are a woman in this room, could you leave your seat? Could you come and stand up here at the front with me for a moment? Would you do that? Just stand right here in this area. Could you, could you step out and do that? <clears throat> now we're going to pray for you. Let everybody else come down. You might want to come a little closer. Don't bite, I promise. This is too close to the front. Yeah, it's okay. Ah, what an amazing opportunity we have this morning to pray over you. And I feel so humbled for this moment and the privilege to do that. The influence that's standing up here. Ah, the God-given sensitivity that you have, the ability to discern, the amazing models you are in ministry and how vital you are to the church absolutely humbles us all. And we know that's not you within yourself, but it's the God that lives within you. It's Christ that lives within you. And so we give him all the glory and the honor for that. So can we do this? If you would bow your heads for a moment, I would like to pray over you and for all the other people in the room to pray with me. Father, we are thankful for this moment. God, we don't take this for granted. 
Moments like this don't come often. And so, Lord, we pray over all of these women that are here this morning. Whatever age and stage in life and wherever their journey takes them. That, Father, that they would first understand the powerful influence that they have. Not just over children or their husband, but the powerful influence that they have, Lord, in the home, yes. Father, in their professions, in, in the corporate climates they find themselves in, in the educational climates that they function in, in their vocations. God, there's such powerful influence they have for you and for the kingdom, Lord. Lord, for those, for that influence that they have in ministry, not just here in this building, but ministry they have to those they work with and to their family and, and Father, to those that they will meet with and have conversations with, to those that they send a text of encouragement or make a phone call or they send a card, such powerful moments of ministry that they're truly models of ministry. So God, use them. For those that struggle today in their own hearts, that you would heal them. I believe for healing for their own hearts. For, Lord, that they would become today encouragers and they would become those that honor others. And in doing that, it would lighten the very burdens of their own hearts this morning. So, Father, thank you for this opportunity. Father, I pray, Lord, through your name, a blessing over them. Use them powerfully, Lord, for the purpose of your kingdom. To not only be a disciple, but to also make disciples. And Father, these things we ask in your powerful name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Happy Mother's Day to all of you. We love you so much. Thank you. Thank you. They're going to play some music as you leave. Thank you so much. You're dismissed this morning. Please go by the photo booth out there. Take a photo with your family before you leave today. Thank you.